You know, last week I started sharing with you, uh, this was something that the Lord put in my heart, uh, really here for the first of the year, and uh, you know, and so uh, I started teaching last week along this line about who's in charge here, and I told you a story about how, uh, where that kind of story comes from, and I had an incident, I'll give you the very short, condensed version, but basically I was... Uh, just started youth pastoring and a gentleman had come in who wanted some information. He's like, hey, he came in. And the first question was, you could tell he was kind of flustered. And he said, you know, who's in charge around here? And I was like, well, I am. And he was like, no, you're not. Who's really in charge? And because I looked pretty young. And, um, and so anyhow, so I had to get someone who looked like an adult to confirm that I was actually the guy in charge. And, uh, you know, and so anyhow, and so that's really where the title comes from, if you will. But we've been talking and, and last week we started and this morning we're going to continue uh, looking along these lines of, um, you know, because in our life, we have to know who's really in charge. Because we can think that we are in charge. And that, okay, yes, in a way, but which part of you is in charge? Which part of you is really motivating and making decisions and, and moving forward? And so last week, I left you with this question, and we're going to pick up where I left off. And this was Hobbs, and the statement is... Um, in life, we don't want to get to the end of our lives and realize that we won at the wrong things. We don't want to get to the end of our life realizing that we had won at the wrong things. You know, that's easy to happen. That's it. There's lots of people who get there, who get to the end of their life, and there's a lot of regret. Why? Because they won at the wrong things. Now, let me give you some examples of what I believe are some of the wrong things to win at. Now, I'll just tell you up front, these things aren't bad in and of themselves, but when they're out of order, you don't want to win at them. These would be things like money, status, success. Now, this one may sound funny, selfishness. You know, there's an older song that some of you will know quite well. Frank Sinatra sang it called, I Did It My Way. I Did It My Way. Well, a lot of people live their life, and that's their motto. I did everything, but I did it my way. Nobody told me what to do, how to do it, when to do it. That might be a tad selfish at times. Because sometimes we have to consider others. And if we're not careful, we can win at getting it our way. Just... Dad gummit, I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm going to do it what I want, how I want, when I want. And Dad gummit, it's my way or the highway. That's not really an area that you want to like. I mean, I don't think you want to stand before God. And he's like, well, what was your life? Well, God, you know, I tried, but I did it my way. And God's going to say, well, you answered the wrong question. Because, yeah, you did it your way, but you were supposed to be doing it my way. And so many times, if we're not careful, those kinds of things are even winning in the area of stuff, things. Like, you know, I mean, there was a, I remember years ago, there was, I don't even remember what it was, but um, there was a saying, and it was on a lot of t-shirts and this and that, and it said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Doesn't matter the stuff you got, at the end of your life, do you just want to say, well, God, I bought a bunch of pretty stuff. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. And look, and God has no problem with you having stuff. He has no problems with you having pretty stuff and nice stuff and the stuff that you enjoy. God doesn't have a problem with that. The question is, is does it have you or do you own it? That's the dividing line. And so, you know, 
uh, as I said, these, none of these things are bad. They just shouldn't be in that top tier priority. Let me say it this way. They should not be in your top five. Definitely not. You don't want to win at these things at the expense of other things. Now, God wants you blessed. There's nothing wrong with having finances. How else are you going to support the kingdom of God if you don't have finances of which to support it with? But yet people believe, well, God doesn't want you blessed. Well, that seems to contradict the majority of Scripture. I mean, Abraham was called the father of faith, and he was wealthy. Solomon, considered to be one of the wealthiest men to ever live. I mean, you know, he was, I mean, we see it. You go look at God's tabernacle. Look how he built it. It wasn't cheap. As a matter of fact, it was with the finest of materials, the best of the best, and the best craftsmen worked on it. That was the instruction from God. In other words, don't cut corners. Make it lavish. Now, I believe that we have to understand blessing in context of the whole counsel of Scripture. God doesn't have a problem with you being blessed at all. As a matter of fact, I believe God wants you blessed. You know, but those things can't be the pursuit or the focus of our life. So here are some things. I want to give you some things that I believe should be in your top five. I actually have four of them for you. Four categories, and I'm going to break them down. So here's things that I believe that we want to win at. We want to win at the right things. First and foremost is in our relationships. We want to win at our relationships with God, with my spouse, with my family, with my friends. I mean, if you really think about it, in life, what creates the most heartache? Is it not relationships? I mean, I've owned a lot of stuff. I've never had a car break my heart because it broke down. I might have gotten mad at it, but it never affected my soul. I've had TVs, computers, you name it, stuff, tools break. They didn't break my heart. I've never shed a tear over anything. I've shed a lot of tears over someone. So if you're going to win at something, first and foremost, you need to win at relationships. The first of that relationship being with God. The second of that relationship is with your family, specifically your immediate family, the people you live with. Once you leave mama's house, you can still love her, but you got to love your house first. So for me, I got to love my wife before my mom. That's biblical order. Doesn't mean I don't love my mom, but I have left her and have clung to my wife. So that's proper order. So then I go into my extended family. Well, then my friends come outside of that. And then I can, then you start knocking, then it becomes acquaintances and this and that. But I need to win at relationships. Why? Well, because winning at relationships affects my ability to be a witness. You know, and so I want to make sure that, that I'm winning in relationships. The second area that I believe that we want to win at is in believing God, using our faith. We don't want to have small, puny prayers. We're going to believe big because we serve a big God who says that he will do the impossible if we'll believe him. Ephesians says it this way, that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all 
that we could possibly think, dream, and imagine. Now, I'm a dreamer. I can think of some big stuff. And God will look at me and say, I can do better than that. Like, that, that's limited thinking. But yet, I want to, as to the best of my, I want to constantly, always be believing God for more, for better, to see Him move in a greater way. In my life, in the people's life around me, in our church, in our community, I never want to become to the place where I'm satisfied. Well, God, I was good, man. And I, you know, we were trucking along there. We just kind of kicked it in cruise control for a little while. I don't believe that pleases God. We ought to always be active in our faith and believing God. I want to win. And I mean, you know, I shared about this uh, two Wednesday nights ago. Is that our reputation ought to be that we are people of faith. That ought to be our reputation. Those people, they, they believe God for everything. God keeps doing it. I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm a person of faith, man. I trust God. I don't have to figure this stuff out. I do my part. I do the natural things that I know to do. But man, I'm going to believe God that he's going to come upon my natural effort and, and make it super abundant greater. One of the other areas that we want to win in is this, is that we want to win in the area of our witness. In our ability to reach people for the cause and the purpose of Christ. We want to be kingdom-minded people. I want to keep the kingdom as a priority in my life. Why? Because is that not what has changed me? Is that not what has provided for me? Is that not what gives me joy and peace and purpose in my life? So I want to be a kingdom-minded person. I don't want to look at me and say, David, you did a great job at building your kingdom on earth. It was awesome. You just built the wrong one. You're supposed to build my kingdom. I don't want to win at the wrong thing. I want to make sure that I'm winning at the right things. Here's the last one. Now, there's many more, but these are just kind of what some that I'd put together. I want to win in the area of my resources. Now, that includes money, but it's not limited to money. The resources is everything that God has entrusted to me. Your resources are everything that God has entrusted to you. That includes your finances. That includes your influence. That includes the, includes the talents and the abilities, the, the natural giftings that God has hardwired you with. Whether you realize it or not, you are built exceptional in one, at least one area of your life. At least. Amen. Where things that are just not normal to normal people, like we think that they're just normal. And everybody, there are areas of my life, like, you know, I'll take this as an example, like numbers. I'm just good at math. And I'll say stuff and, you know, and I'll make a statement to Dara or something. I'm like, well, it's da-da-da-da. And she's like, I don't get that. And then I'll say, how do you not? Or, you know, or whatever the situation may be. And I'll be like, it's not that hard. Like, you're just doing your head. And she'll tell me. She's like, David, not everybody's wired like you. Like, you're weird in that way. As a matter of fact, most people aren't like you. Well, to me, I just think everybody is. Why? Because it's a natural gifting, and many times we can't even see our own natural giftings. But other people look at it and go, how do you do that? That would stress me out. How do you juggle all this stuff, and you seem to have it all? Well, I don't, 
I don't really think a lot about it. It just kind of comes natural. That's a gift from God. Well, how are you stewarding those resources? Because one day God is going to ask you, what did you do with what I put in your hands? What did you do with the giftings and the things that I placed in you, those talents, those abilities? I want to win in those things. I want to be able to say, God, look, I know I screwed up a lot, but man, I sure did try hard. Man, and I, I did everything I knew to do, but I exhausted myself. With the reason, I, I want to be able to say, God, I used everything to the best of my ability. And it may not have been perfect, but God, man, I tried. Amen. And he's going to say, you did. I want to win in these areas of my life. I want to win relationally. I want to win in the area of faith. I want to win in the area of my witness. I want to win in the area of my resources. Now, there's only one way to do this in truth. You know, because, and and this ties in with what we've been talking about last week, and we're going to look at it again this morning. We'll start reading here in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read this uh, verse 16 out of the Amplified Bible. It'll be up there on the screen for you. But Paul writes and he says, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Walk habitually. In other words, this is your manner of life. That word walk means to, uh, it was actually, uh, it was The term was often used more in a figurative way as your way of life or your day-to-day behavior. So this isn't like an occasional thing. This is like our all the time. This is the mode in which we operate day in, day out, minute by minute. Walk in the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Listening to the Spirit. When you study this out, some of the definitions are this means to live or to conduct oneself. To conduct yourself by the Holy Spirit of God who is living on the inside of you right now. Now here's something you got to know about God and I say it a lot. Is that God will never ask you to do something that you don't have the ability to do. God will not set you up for failure. He won't do it. If he says you can walk in the Spirit, you can walk in the Spirit if you're a believer. If Christ is your Lord, you have the ability. Why? Because that Spirit doesn't come upon you. That Spirit now lives in you. I don't have to pray for God's anointing to come. It's already here. Now, my my, uh, understanding of God's ability or my awareness of that ability, now that's a different story. I may not be aware of God's ability, and I may need to say, Lord, help me see myself the way you do. Help me recognize your spirit at work in me. But here he says that we are to walk habitually in the spirit. Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. Be responsive to his guidance. See, here's what I believe is that many times in my own life and in your life is that the Lord speaks, we hear it, but we are not responsive to it. Or we reason it away and just be like, well, that's just some random thought. I don't, or I don't want to do that. Man, that would be really inconvenient. And yet the instruction is, is to be responsive to the impressions of the Holy Spirit. I believe that many times that there are times in my own life and in my own heart that I don't hear God speak, but I'm impressed in my spirit to, be, to do something or to move in a direction or to maybe not do something. And to do something different. 
And many times we will write them off and just be like, man, that was random. And yet we are called to live by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We live every day, moment to moment. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about a a, a bit of a difficult situation. That they're dealing with. Oh, hello. And I told him, I said, look, and and I said, you may walk into this situation and you've got it all planned out how this conversation's gonna go. Because you've already you've already processed the whole conversation. You know, I'm going to say this, and they're going to say this, and they're going to say this. It takes about a minute before your plan has gone out the window. And now you need the help of the Holy Spirit to know what to say, how to respond, what needs to be said, and what you don't need to say. And you have to learn how to listen for the Holy Spirit, especially in tense places. Because it's easy to just... Get selfish and defend and try to protect and all these kinds. No, you have to learn to listen and and to to really let your spirit man lead you. Because in our flesh, we will respond. Well, it's going to respond wrong. I've seen this happen. I've never actually had this happen to me. I have seen it happen with people where they got upset at work. They got frustrated at work. They respond in the wrong way and they got fired. Like, well, the devil got me fired. No, he didn't. You ran your mouth. You got off in the flesh. You ran your mouth and your boss fired you. And if I was your boss, I would have fired you sooner. When the Holy Spirit was probably saying, hey, <clears throat> pipe down. Keep your opinions to yourself. If you'd like a paycheck, be quiet. Now, I'm not saying that we should always just, we're not the doormat as a believer. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a right way to approach everything. And so many times what happens is, and this is just natural, we take it, we take it, we take it, until what? Until we are fed up. And then our flesh is, and and there ain't no turning back. You know, that happens in our families. Dealing with your kids. You've been telling them, you've been telling them, you've been telling them. Pick up, clean up, don't do this, stop doing this. Da, da, da. And then finally, what happens? As my mom would say, this was my mom's language to me as a kid. This was the, the warning bell before she was about to lose it. Y'all are getting on my last nerve. And what that meant was, I'm serious, somebody about to get hurt. And mama wasn't playing. Sometimes she would say it like this, y'all better go outside. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to pedal that bike. I don't know when I'm coming back, but I'll be back before dinner, though, because I'm going to get hungry. But yet, in our relationships, again, winning at relationships, the Holy Spirit will say, you better not say that to your spouse. Now, I'll give you an example of this that happened in my own life. Now, granted, I have young kids, but I was a youth pastor for years. We had a particular situation. I had six interns at one time, and uh, two of them were driving me crazy. I mean, crazy. I'm be on time and communicate. If we do those two things, me and you are going to be just fine. Be on time or at least communicate. If you communicate, I got no problems with you. You don't communicate, that's going to get up on my last nerve. You know what I'm saying? Like, just tell me what's going on. If you ain't going to be there, fine, but just tell me. Well, they were notorious for not communicating and not being on time. 
Well, I was counting on them for stuff. And I was ready to drop the hammer. I was ready. I mean, cock-locked and ready to rock. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was ready to... It was... It was... It's go time. And I was ready. And me and Dara were talking. And I, I mean, I, she knew it. She was like, oh, Lord. Like, because I had had my feel. I mean, you can ask her. She even told me, are you really going to say all that? And I said, absolutely. I was all selfish and just indignant, you know. And I got in that room. Actually, before then, I'm sorry, before I had the meeting, because I'd already set up the meeting. I'm like, I'm going to tell these fools, you know. And And the Lord took me to Galatians chapter 6, where it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children harshly. In other words, don't be mean to your kids. And I was, to be mean was be nice. I was ticked off. I had had it. And I knew that the Lord spoke that to me. And I mean, I was just reading the Bible. He told me, go read this verse. I'm like, I'm a man of faith. Let me go read this scripture. (laughs) Little did I know that that verse was getting ready to read my mail. Because remember, I told you my, my family line is that we're angry men. Well, hey, I was just fitting the bill, you know, just living up to the expectations. And it says, do not exasperate. Don't, don't push your children to a point of exhaustion because of your heavy hand. Is the way one translation said it. And I realized in that moment, I'm either going to break these people or I'm going to help them. But the choice was mine. Now, I love God. Spirit-filled, praying in the Holy Ghost, loving Jesus, worshiping, just, I was a minister. But I knew in my heart, I had one of two choices in that moment. I was either going to be gracious and help save and protect, or I was going to harm in a very difficult way. And I knew it. And the Lord was kind of, I mean, the Lord didn't tell me, don't you do this. He just said, choice is yours. But you're responsible for your choice. Man, I didn't want to hear that. I hate it when the Lord talks to me like that. Because he said, I mean, it's just plain. Look, you're not going to blame me for this. Choice, this is yours. You can either give in to the flesh or by my spirit, you can walk with the power of the spirit. David, if you'll acknowledge your weakness right now, I'm going to show up for you. But if you want to be proud, you go hurt people. But you're responsible for the hurt you cause. That's a pretty sobering thought. Why? Because I want to win at relationships. I still have relationships. I mean, I could call either one of the people today, and I would still have a good relationship with them. One of them still considers me like a father figure in their life. And I could have ruined it in a moment because I got in the flesh. And I'm so thankful that I didn't. I mean, why is our divorce rate every year just increasing, increasing, increasing? It's not because marriage doesn't work. It's because we become more fleshly. We become more selfish. We become more me-focused. When we're called to serve one another in love, 
No one gets married and, you know, professes their vows. I love you. You love me. We're going to stay together forever. To screaming and yelling and cussing and fighting and all kinds of stuff. That wasn't the thought standing at the altar. But what happened? And I'm talking about church folk. I'm not talking about the world. I'm, talking about, I'm describing church folk right now. I've been there with some of them fights. And it's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Ooh, what happened? It's the flesh. So he goes on here in verse 16 of Galatians 5. He says, walk habitually in the, uh, in the Holy Spirit. Seek him. Be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desires of sinful nature. That's the flesh. Which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. So another way to say it is that your flesh will respond without any regard to who God is or what God wants. Doesn't even think about it. No need. And so many times I think that if we're not careful, we fall into the trap of this. Is that, well, I'm going to walk in the spirit because I'm going to overcome all of my weakness in the flesh. It's not what the Bible says. It says walk with the Spirit. Walk through the help of the Holy Spirit. Let Him lead you. Let Him guide you. Let Him course correct you when needed. Let Him stop you in your tracks when you're about to do something foolish. And say this does not need to go down like this. If I will walk and listen to the Holy Spirit. He will keep me from walking in my flesh. I don't get more of the Holy Spirit because of my own self-discipline or my ability to keep from blowing my lid because here's the thing. It's, a, it's, it's like a, my mom is a big tea drinker. You know, she, she's, her background is English. She's she going to have her afternoon tea and cookies. That's, I mean, you know, that's my mom. She's, she's American, but they got English background, so she just, I don't know. She loves tea. She orders her tea from England because apparently it's better from England. Whatever. Anyhow, so my mom every day would boil water. Well, you'd hear that little thing start going. It just got louder and louder and louder. Why? Because that pressure was only building. And the thing is, is you might be able to keep it from blowing your top. But it's only for a time. Don't allow the enemy to fool you into thinking, I can manage this. No, you need to let the Holy Spirit deal with it. Or you will erupt. And it will all come out. That's why people, you know, we see this in families, especially. Been out of mom and daddy's house for decades. Something happens. And then all of a sudden, you go back 20 years, 30 years. And man, you go through the whole, why? Because you never dealt with it. You never allowed the Holy Spirit to help you deal with it. Therefore, everything comes up. And you're just you and venom everywhere. Why? Because you've not allowed the Holy Spirit to help you. The way life works and the way that we win at life is with the help of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you this. Absolute fact. I'm a better husband because of the Holy Spirit. I'm a better father because of the Holy Spirit. I'm a better son because of the Holy Spirit. I'm a better brother a better uncle, a better pastor, a better boss, a better employee. I'm a better human being 
because of the Holy Spirit in my life. There's not one area of my life. I'm a better manager of my money because of the Holy Spirit. Across the board, he makes me better when I listen. That's the key. When I listen, when I respond to his speaking, because I believe that we hear the Holy Spirit a lot more because people say all the time, well, I don't hear God. I believe you do. I believe we all do. Now, we may not always recognize, and I understand that. And there may be seasons and times where the voice of God seems to get quiet. I understand that. I mean, this is just one of those things in in my life that, you know, if you've heard me minister very much, you understand I'm just analytical and there's some things I don't understand. And it's crazy how this works out. But I've seen it like this, too, where it seems like God doesn't talk to me about a specific area of my life, but he'll talk to me about another area of my life. And I'm like, can we just talk about the one thing I'm curious about? And he's like, "Mm, just silence. And I'm like, that's what I want to talk about. (laughs) No, not right now. I'm like, dang, it's frustrating. It's just my personal gripe with the Lord there. Like, why can't we just talk about everything? It ain't time yet. Maybe I'm not ready to have that conversation. He's like, you can't handle what I got to say yet. I'm like, dad, come on. <laughs> and that may be the case. The message translation of this same passage, it actually adds a couple, I might add a couple verses here out of the message. I like the message Bible. It just gives you a little different view sometimes of Scripture. Verse 16 says, My counsel is this. Live freely, um, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Now, some people are more animated than others, right? But yet it says, Live freely and animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Live freely, motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed your compulsion of me, what I want. Verse 17 says, For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as the free spirit is incapable of selfishness. Let that sink in for a moment. When I'm the most like Jesus, I'm the least selfish. That's a heavy statement, you think? When I walk with the Spirit, I'm not concerned about me. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit, just as a free spirit is incapable of selfishness. It says these two ways are antithetical. They're at war. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, this has to be a consistent thing. doesn't mean that we don't have bad days. Look, we all have bad days. We all have days that we're more human than what we want to be. Sometimes we have human weeks. And we're like, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to repent because I've not been good this week. My bad. we got to redo. But he says you can't live one way at a certain time and another. Just however you feel. You know that you can be led by your emotions. Your soul. And I don't mean just like, well, I'm not an emotional person. That doesn't mean squat. 
I'm not a very emotional person. And my uh, emotions very much dictate me day to day. I'm just not an outwardly emotional person. I can be, I mean, I've gotten now, like if I really get frustrated, I just learn, I just get quiet. I just don't say nothing. And Dara's even told me, she's like, it's kind of creepy when you get that quiet. Because you just don't say nothing. I'm like, well, mom always says, you ain't got nothing nice to say. I sound like Forrest Gump, don't I? Just don't say nothing at all. Why? Because I realize, Holy Spirit, I'm gonna, I need some help right now. If I say anything, it's going to erupt and it ain't going to be good. So, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. But, you know, you can be dominated. Your life can absolutely be overwhelmed by emotions. Good emotions, bad emotions, angry emotions, depressed emotions. Here's the thing. Your emotions will lie to you. Your emotions are not necessarily fact. I've been good and ticked off about a situation until I found out some more information. I was like, oh, I guess I won't be ticked off anymore. I didn't know that little bit of information that changed everything. But emotionally, I was, I was there. We can be dominated by our soul, by those emotions, by what we think. I mean, we can be so focused in on something and when we're, you know, target has been acquired. We've planted the eggs, dropped the bomb, and be totally wrong. Why? We needed the help of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Bible says He will lead us in truth, not in what we believe right or wrong. There's always three sides to every argument. Your side, their side, and the truth. Because no one ever sees everything perfectly clear. It doesn't matter who you are. That's just universally true. And so we, we see this here, and it talks about that if we live, you know, just to, based off how we feel, you're going to get shipwrecked. And the devil will give you enough line to hang yourself. He ain't got to do it. He just pushed the right button. It just kind of, it's like what Paul said. It was a thorn in the flesh, thorn in his side, just kind of poking him, pricking him. Like, man, that's a nuisance. God's grace is sufficient in that area. God's grace is enough. Verse 18 says this. It says, why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Now, he's talking about this in light of the Ten Commandments because they're trying to live the Ten Commandments in the flesh. They're, well... The law did one thing. It proved that we were flawed. That's what it proved. We were messed up. We're not perfect people. We can't be perfect people. That's why Christ had to come. He had to come not to just, um, you know, I mean, the Bible says that he fulfilled the law. He accomplished it for us. Why? Because we couldn't. And it says, is that why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated life? So we have choices. We have decisions. If we're going to win in this thing that we call life, and we're going to win in the right areas, we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. There's no way around it. 
And that comes by moment by moment listening and responding to him. 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 All the time. Why? Because if I'm not listening to him, what am I listening to? Myself. I don't know how many of you can remember your life before Christ, but I remember mine. And it was not good. And I did a good job of messing things up. So I've had to learn, and I'm still learning this in my life. I don't think this is an area that we ever just fully overcome. But I have to learn to listen for the Holy Spirit in every situation, in every circumstance. I mean, I'll give you a practical example of this. That, that was just a very practical way. Is that in the area of finances, when the Lord told me to start getting out of debt... I'm a numbers person. I could tell you to the penny what was in every account, what I owed to who. I knew everything. There was no questions. I I knew everything. I knew the Lord told me. And there came a point where the Lord said, quit looking at it. I just felt like I needed, because every day I'd go in there. I mean, forget balance my checkbook once a month. I did it every day. I knew to the penny how much money I had and everything. Man, and it just, I mean, that's how I started my day. Read the Bible. Now I got a financial sheet I got to go look at and make sure ain't nothing changed. It's funny, no bills ever got paid in the middle of the night without me knowing about it. <laughs> I mean, maybe I should have prayed, I don't know. But, but there came a point where it had started to consume my thoughts. And I was working my plan. And I was doing what I knew I needed to do. And I had my goals, because I'm a very goal-oriented, I love to-do lists. Check, 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 check. I just start knocking. I mean, that's a good day for me. I just delete a whole to-do list. Praise the Lord. That's me. But I knew that the Lord just... Just kind of just, and again, it, not that he spoke, it was just an impression, but it was like, quit looking at it. You know when the bills are due, just go in there and pay them when they're due. <laughs> and believe me in the meantime. Just trust me. Well, again, I'm a control freak. My God, I don't know if I can trust you. <laughs> I didn't say that, but that was my attitude. But I was worried about it Constantly. And it dominated my thoughts. And the Lord told me, quit looking at it. Quit focusing on it. Quit looking at it all the time. Well, I had a choice. Was I going to walk in obedience to what he had told me? Or was I going to keep doing things my way? Because the thing was, is that doing things my way hadn't really helped all that much. I mean, yeah, things were paid, but I wasn't getting ahead, and I definitely wasn't paying off anything that I felt like the Lord had told me that I needed to pay off. And it was amazing when I just started saying, okay, Lord, I thank you. You're going to provide whatever I have need of. I started listening for the, for the Lord. I mean, I've shared it many times. Phone book got delivered to my doorstep. Need some extra cash? Deliver some phone books. Felt like the Holy Spirit said do that. Oh, cool. I made an extra 800 bucks that month. I didn't want to do it. I'm like, man, this is humiliating. I don't want to go deliver no phone books. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. <laughs> when did it? Pay this bill. A little while later, opportunity comes. Hey, would you be interested in doing this? Lord said, do it. Okay. Here's the crazy thing. I, the Lord, long story short, was the Lord had gotten out of debt in a crazy, I mean, we paid up all kinds of stuff in a really short period of time. I didn't, 
I never once looked for a job. I never once looked for an opportunity. I never went pursuing anything extra. I was walking at Walmart. These game systems at Christmas time. I needed tires. I didn't have money for tires. Game systems. We're at Walmart middle of the night doing our grocery shopping. That's when we go to Walmart. That's when Walmart's fun. That's when the most crazy are there late at night. And, um, and so we're there in the middle of the night, and they come over to the PA, and they're like, hello, you know, Walmart shoppers, whatever. We have these game systems in, and I knew. You can't buy those right now. And the Lord said, go buy them. I put them on eBay. I sold them the next week. I paid for my tires, and I paid for the game systems. So I got a free set of tires at the deal. That's not just by chance. The Lord prompted me. So, David, I'll make provision. I'll bring provision in the middle of the night if I need to. Just trust me. Listen to my voice. Do what I tell you to do. Stop trusting yourself. That was my problem. I trusted myself too much. I'll figure this out. I'm, I'm smart enough. Yeah, I was smart enough to get myself in a lot of trouble. But that was my hang-up. And I had to learn, and I've had to learn and continue to learn because my default is to trust myself. And in truth, that's all of our default is to trust ourselves. Well, that's the flesh. And the Bible here says we have to walk in the Spirit, listen for His voice, respond to His voice, and let Him lead you in every area of life. And I'm not perfect at this. This is one of my highest goals in life. I want to recognize when God changes a season. It's like, okay, this season's been great, but God says now it's time to move. I'm gonna, I want to walk. I don't want to get stuck in a place of, well, this is just what I know and this is where I'm comfortable. I think God refuses to allow me to get comfortable. I've never been in a season that I've been comfortable and if I was, he moved me every time. Not necessarily just physically, but something changed in that moment. I mean, hey, I was pretty comfortable in Shreveport. I had a house on the lake. It was nice. I liked what I did. I mean, I like the lake. That's been my dream was to live on the lake. We moved back to Shreveport. I said, I ain't ain't living nowhere. We're going to live on the lake. I, mean, I was like an old man out there on a pontoon boat. <laughs> just because. I would have never thought I would have enjoyed that. Let's go out for a sunset cruise. Just cruise. I mean, just going slow. Just. Just. Thought, man, this is great. And the Lord said, okay, now it's time for what I've got for you. You know, it would have been easy to just say, God, I'm good. Things are great. I got my house on the lake. It's my dream. It's what I've always wanted. Minus the mountains. I mean, that's the real dream. I'd love to have a house in the mountains on a lake. You know, I want the lake and the mountains. You know, like, just get it all. That's my paradise, by the way. And, uh, you know, but but I had a choice. If I was going to follow the Lord, I had to make a step. And there was a change in season. And I can tell you now, over three years in, that there's not a doubt in my mind that if I was in Shreveport sitting on the lake, I would be miserable. I wouldn't be fulfilled. 
But it took a step to say, okay, Lord, you must know better than me. In case you don't know, I still live on water. <laughs> I still live on a pond. I like water. Not the ocean, but a lake or a river or something like that. That's my kind of place. But, but yet I, I could have missed out on, on really what God had for me. Just because I wanted to trust myself. Now, when I came here, I just wasn't 100% confident. I mean, I don't mind saying that. I don't know if I've ever been just 100% confident. Now, I've been really confident. But I can't say that I've ever had a step with God or a leading of the Holy Spirit that there wasn't something in the back of my mind going, mm, I hope this is right. So don't wait till, you know, it's not always just concrete. Sometimes you're going to have to step out in faith and just trust God. You're going to have to do things that God's going to challenge you to do. And it's by the prompting of the Spirit. And that's what, that's what God actually calls adventure. Step into some things that you don't know. Step out into some areas that, that maybe you've thought would be, man, that would be awesome. Okay, we'll start asking the Lord and say, okay, what's my first step? How do I get from where I am to where you want me to be? See, those are the areas where you're, you're going to begin to hear the Lord speak to you. It's where we play it safe that God's like, I got nothing for you in this, in this season, in this place. But if you'll start moving towards what I got for you, I can start talking to you. But again, it goes back to we have to be responsive to the, to the Holy Spirit's leading. We got to respond to that. When he speaks, man, we've got to respond. We got to respond. We got to respond. The best thing you can do to honor God speaking to you is to act on it. That's how we honor God speaking to us. We act. We don't wait till all the circumstances are right and all the conditions. You'll never move. You'll never make that step. You'll never move in that direction. You'll never step out in faith if you're waiting. And the Bible actually says that. Don't, don't look at the conditions to wait till it seems to be right. Listen to your spirit, man. Let him speak to you. That's where the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. It's through your spirit, man. Now, it may be an impression. It may be a thought. It may be through the word of God. It may just be a specific scripture that just really stands out to you. But allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, to lead you, to guide you. And those are the areas where we, because when we live there, we don't, the flesh, the Spirit can take care of the flesh. He knows what we have need of. So here's what I'm convinced of, is that the flesh becomes a real issue when we get bored. Just in our life, just monotonous, just day to day. That's when we start looking for other things. We start looking other places. When you're listening to it for the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's going to keep you on, on task. It's going to keep you in focus. It's going to give you a purpose as to why you're doing what you're doing as you move forward. And just as it says here, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of your flesh. We all have a flesh that we have to deal with. Whether it be in an emotion thing, whether it be just in a selfish thing, no matter what it is. But yet the word of God gives us the antidote. I'll share more about this next week.